0: Well, I'm glad you decided to gather, to worship, and to learn and journey together this morning as a community that is learning to live and love like Jesus in East Petersburg, PA. If you're with us for the first time today, I want to welcome you. I'm excited that you're here and that you're with us. I encourage you to stop by the welcome table and to get to know our story. And we have a gift for you to help you with that. It's a mug. And we are excited to get to know your story as well. We, we really want to hear from you and what has brought you here on the journey. As you know, last week, Pastor Bob started a new series. It is a series called Renewed and Refreshed. We are taking a look at the Psalms. We are looking to be revitalized in our faith and new life to our faith from the Psalms. And so if you missed last week, it was a great start to the series, I encourage you to Check out it online. You can go to iTunes and check it out, or you can go to our website, eastpeedmc.org, and listen to it there. It's actually been pretty exciting. Our sermons have been getting 30 to 150 listens online, and that's coming from all over the world. So it's exciting to see the ways in which our podcast has been growing. Also, you can find us on Facebook as throughout the week we try to keep conversations going. We share links to resources and to Bible verses. This is the number one way people are finding out about our church. It's pretty exciting. We've had over 250 likes, and from time to time, those people engage. There's been over 400 people that have checked in to our church since we started the Facebook, and that's just showing you that anytime you interact with our Facebook page, it really helps get the message of our church out. Facebook and social media has really become the front step of our church today. This morning we're going to be continuing our series, Renewed and Refreshed, which is a six-part Sunday morning series encountering renewal and refreshment in our faith from the book of Psalms. If you weren't here last week, we handed out this little postcard announcing our series, and on the back you'll find Psalms 8. We are asking that as we journey through this series that you begin to work on memorizing Psalms 8 with us and just learning what it means to recognize the majesticness of the Lord. As we look at Psalms, we hope to encounter renewal and refreshment in our faith. Sometimes we become so entrenched in our ways that our faith becomes full of dead man bones. And it just feels so dry and so not life-giving anymore. It feels like we're going through the motions. or just just part of who we are, but it's not a life-giving part of who we are. As we enter this six-week series, we're hoping that we can experience revitalization, renewal, and refreshment. You see, for the Psalms... It's an important place to turn for this because for the most profound and enduring prayers of songs and of praise, both Christians and Jews have looked to the psalms for many centuries. After these texts were first sung in worship, they hung around and they've continued to influence people and they've continued to compel our attention. It is their artistry and their language that makes the psalms simply unforgettable. With their vivid word pictures and pleasing rhythms, they capture our imagination and remain imprinted on our minds, on our hearts. They are things that we continually feel energized by. Throughout the Psalms, we see pictures of water, we see pictures of rain, we see pictures of flowing streams and rivers and fountains that represent God's abundant love and mercy. In contrast, we see images of thirst, withered grass, deserts, and wasted bodies representing the human condition as it is apart from God. This beautiful symbolism is why this morning and during this series, we are looking to the Psalms to experience renewal and refreshment in our faith. This morning we're going to be looking at a message out of Psalm 65, which I've entitled, Revitalization. I hope this morning that we will find ourselves more refreshed and more renewed as we look At this passage, if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open it up. We're going to be reading out of the new international version. You can find that in front of you in the Red Pew Bible. It'll be on page 569 and the the text will also be on the screen and you can follow along with me there as well. Lord, we just give you our time together. We, We thank you for the ability to meet together. We thank you for the ways in which you want to speak to us through this text. And we just ask that you use this text to revitalize us, to re-energize us, to bring our faith renewal and refreshment and make us burn and understand your furious, ravishing, and lavishing love, Lord. We surrender our time together as we read the word. Amen. Psalm 65. Praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by your sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the further seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with power and strength. Who still the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with green. They shout for joy and they sing. Psalm 65 is a pretty unique psalm. Some psalms like Psalm 90 seem to have a a fluid context that just seems to all echo each other. It's a constant theme, theme, but in, in, in Psalms 65, we see something different. Greg C. Broyles, author of the New International Bible Commentary on Psalms, notes this was a corporate hymn with a really unique identity. He says this corporate hymn has three sections, each focusing on a different locale and each placing Yahweh in a distinctive role. This morning we're going to look at those three sections and what each one of them may say as we look to encounter renewal and refreshment in our faith. Those three sections, if you were looking at your Bible and you wanted to divide them up and kind of see where each one is, we're going to see that verses 1 through 4 of Psalm 65 really deal with a sense of understanding and identity of God's grace. Verses 4 through 8 really work with dealing with a sense of God's presence. And verses 9 through 13 deals a lot with just understanding the goodness of God. This psalm would have been sung at a temple in Zion. It would have been sung in spring before the plants were were planted and at fall when they were harvested. It included an embodiment of rituals which performed a song that represented a fulfillment of God's vows, recognizing them from earlier prayers, and realizing that Yahweh has heard their prayers. He's heard them cry out. He's blessed them with his good news and his goodness. It tied into both their spiritual life and their seasons of agricultural abundance. They realized how closely those two things were connected. In the first part of Psalm 65, we find renewal and refreshment in our faith through the sense that the realization is God's full of mercy, a mercy that extends to both answered and unanswered prayers. This part of the song starts with an an engagement of that mercy of God, an, an understanding of how real his grace is and how powerful. This part of the psalm is both confession and praise. As, as David is writing this, as he's, he's singing this for to be sung in the, in the temple, we realize this. He starts the song with a realization that confession and praise were intertwined. It serves as a good reminder that these two tangled ideas have become untangled in our Western context. It is important to realize, as David did, that confession and praise were both needed together at the same time to recognize and encounter renewal and refreshment in our faith. We can't have one without the other. If we're looking for renewal and we're looking for refreshment, we can't just praise God on Sunday mornings and expect it to come, but we need to enter a place in which we are willing to intentionally face confession and heartfelt confession as well. If you have your bulletins with you, you'll notice there's some notes, uh, some blanks that you can fill in. And follow along. I encourage you to do that. Um, the first one that we see here is this. The psalmist first paints a renewing renewing, and refreshing image of a God full of grace. It's in this first part, verses 1 through 4, that we really see a beautiful image of God's love. A beautiful image of God's grace. The psalmist David illustrates that. Like this, As we sense the love of God, it's painted visually as a rich king who invites all to live in his courts. To taste all the goodness and the good news of the kingdom. Despite our failures, despite our doubts, David says, despite our trespasses, we realize we are forgiven and we are invited to play with the fine china of the kingdom. David praises that those in the courts, those who really don't deserve to be in there, based on their own doing, will now live in a courts full of the good stuff. This is the essence and the ethos of the kingdom. Access to good news and the goodness is for those who don't deserve it. This is where David's at. He's confessing that he is broken, he has sinned, God has forgiven him, but he realizes that in despite of that, in, in the midst of his, his trespasses, he realizes that God has given him a place to play. Sometimes we think we have to earn God's approval or we have to work to get to a certain level so we can encounter the goodness of God. David reminds us in Psalm 65 that the kingdom of God's goodness cannot be earned and only received. Those who are in the courts that David is singing about, those who are confessing their sins, are getting to play with the goodness and the goodness of the kingdom. The kingdom of God's goodness cannot be earned, only received an important reminder as we look for renewal and refreshment in our faith. Psalm 65 shows us the same goodness of the kingdom as Jesus did in Cana. As he was sitting there and as his mom says, hey, I want you to to help out this wedding, and his first miracle is turning water into wine, we see the same idea, the same ethos of the kingdom, that God pours out his goodness on those who don't deserve it. There Jesus made wine for the party. However, he didn't make cheap wine for the drunks. He poured out the Father's love and the kingdom's goodness with a wine so refreshing, so renewing, that it was the strongest and best quality that the people had ever tasted. This is the Father's goodness, that he pours out his goodness on people that don't deserve it. In Psalm 65, David is praising the Lord in a season, celebrating his sense of renewal. In a sense that the Lord has heard his prayers. He has let the, the fields overflow with abundance. They see that God's favor is on them. It is on the people and it's on the lands. It is through Psalm 65 that we are reminded how much our spiritual and earthly lives are connected. That the abundance of one sometimes is tied into the abundance of of others, And at the core of it, it is simply that God pours out his goodness and his love on us despite our wrongs, despite our trespasses, despite our brokenness. As we look at the second part of Psalms, we see this. In the second part of Psalm 65, we find that there's renewal and refreshment in our faith through a sense of recognizing and encountering head-on the great power of God. Here David is just reflecting as he enters song, as he enters the the composing of this tune. He just is struck with how great God is. How little he feels standing before a great God. He says, you shower shower us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the further seas. He realizes how powerful and how present God is. Ever since the Enlightenment age dawned, our evangelical Western context has struggled with the ability to see God as the prime force and the prime mover behind nature, behind the force of mystery, and behind science. David in this song writes about his faith as it experiences revitalization, as he stared face on into the power and the real presence of God. He saw how intertwined it was. With our earthly reality. How intertwined his spiritual reality was tied in to his earthly reality. He recognized and encountered a distant God who was willing to make himself intimately known. And to not only intimately known, but intertwined into every aspect of life. He was part of the agricultural. He was part of the power of the seas. He was part of the rain. He was part of the forgiveness of sins. David realizes that God was intertwined in everything big and small, both powerful and meek. So as we look to experience renewal and refreshment in our faith, we need to keep our eyes open for where God is moving, where we see God intertwined in both the big things and the small things. So we take this point away. Secondly, David's song illustrates revitalization of hope through the mighty presence and power of God illustrates revitalization of hope through the mighty presence and power of God. David's song, when it was sung in the temple, served to celebrate those who were singing it and those who were listening to it of the intertwined presence and power of God in nature, in their agriculture, and in their spiritual lives. He illustrated that the way God was was that He was intertwined tangibly. In everything. The question is if we're willing to see God intertwined with just our spiritual well-being. Or if we're allowed in him to also be intertwined in our physical, in our agricultural well-beings as well. The find renewal, we must be able to recognize and encounter God's role as it's intertwined in both the small and the large aspects of both our spiritual lives and our earthly lives. That's what we see David saying. He moves on into the third part, which is uh, Psalm 65, 9-13. And he's all of a sudden just talking about this huge blessing. He's, he's looking over the valley. He's kind of removed himself from everything. And he's just got a bird's-eye view of what's going on. Here, David shows a sense of surrender. Through this song, a realization that nothing we have, do we have control of. Nothing we have achieved have we actually achieved on our own? Everything, including the abundance of nature, the abundance of their, their fields, of their, of their wagons, overflowing with food and grain, all of this is God's. David realizes this, and to experience renewal and to remind people of refreshment, he offers this song which reminds them to surrender, to realize that nothing we have is based on our own merit. I kind of picture David as he writes this song, just sitting on a mountainside and looking down and just getting a picture of God at work. He's just, he's removed himself from the equation, he's he's become self-aware and surrendered, and he's just looking from this mountainside and he's seeing God at work in the valley. He sees God pouring out his goodness and his good news through an abundance of agriculture, through green hills through the meeting of every need they have and more. In the same way that David sits there as I picture him, I wonder when the last time we've forced ourselves to unplug has been. When is the last time that you sat at the ocean and just stared at it, realizing how small we feel and allowed ourselves to face our thoughts that happened in those moments, and just stared at the ocean and realized, that it's God who moves every wave. It's God who moves every fish in that sea. When is the last time we've allowed ourselves to just surrender the busyness, to unplug our technology, to unplug from our lies, and to willingly face our thoughts and recognize and intentionally encounter that it's God that visits the earth and keeps it ticking? David's song reminds us, That renewal and refreshment is found by unplugging and seeing things through the eyes of surrender. David is just sitting there and he's singing about the beauty and the abundance that God pours out on the land. And on the spiritual lives of the people. A God who is intertwined in everything. So lastly, we say that Psalm 65 creates a reawakening, realization of just how much goodness And good news God willingly lavishes on us. Sit in that for a moment. Psalm 65 creates a reawakening, realization of just how much goodness and good news God willingly lavishes on us. This is what Psalm 65 is all about it's a song of worship, a song of praise, a song of rejoicing realizing that the ravishing and lavish love of God poured out on his people and on the earth and on the agriculture will revitalize us both in our earthly and spiritual life. Derek Kinder, author of the Tyndale Old Testament Commentary on the Psalms, shows us this core reality of this last and third section of the psalm. Some biblical translations, I believe the King James especially, says that God visits, or thou visits, the land. Here we see this the word thou visits expresses a characteristically biblical thought that God, who is always present and active, has nevertheless his decisive times of drawing near to bless or judge. We see through this last part of the Psalms that David realizes that God is not only intertwined, but he has blessed us with his presence. He has been so tangibly near, he has been able to be almost seen in the land. Derek's comments also remind us of something else. The reality is that often we are more comfortable with a God who we see as present only in times of judgment than we see as a God who loves without merit. We view God as a big brother watching to punish us for our mistakes, rather than as David's image of God who comes to bless us and to bless, it, bless the earth, or comes to visit us and visit the earth. To be realistic, we need to view God much more through the eyes of David than a God who just comes to judge. Sometimes we view God as a cop who's just waiting around the corner, waiting to give us a speeding ticket every time we step on the gas a little too much of our own merit. But to experience revitalization, to experience renewal and refreshment in our faith, we have to be willing to let go of that image of God and realize that God has created the kingdom to be a place on this earth where the goodness and the good news of the kingdom, the good fine china of the kingdom gets to be played with by a bunch of people who don't deserve it and are most likely going to break it. We can encounter revitalization of our faith by finding daily refreshment and renewal through dwelling in and on the love of God. This is what David is doing. If we would connect all three of these these different uh, pieces of Psalm 65, we see this. David is speaking to the love of God. We will experience revitalization in seeking regularly, daily, a personal encounter with that love of God. Not a God who's looking through the fence and seeing if we are going to sin and when we're going to mess up so that he can punish us. But we will experience renewal and we will experience refreshment and revitalization. We're willing to see that God loves us as we are. Because none of us, as Bernie Manning says, are where we need to be. That's a deep uh, realization. Psalm 65 shows that David had a grasp of the ethos of the kingdom. As it is in the here and the now. The reality that God's love was poured out lavishly through grace, the first part of Psalms, presence, the second part, and the goodness, the third part of the Psalms. A love poured out on us with crazy blessings and not as a result of anything we've done and certainly not what we deserve. God's love is full of goodness. Never in that Psalm does it say, thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to plant seeds right. Never does it say, thank you for teaching us how to grow green grass or how to live in a place where the land is beautiful. David praises and sees the refreshing and renewal image that God is intertwined in every aspect of it. God's love is full of goodness. If Psalm 65 reminds us of the kingdom of God's message, that God's love is full of goodness, then we should find it revitalizing to be reminded that Jesus himself taught and exemplified that same kingdom reality to those who were willing to see him as the way. David is prophetically singing in his song of what the kingdom is going to look like when Jesus brings it. Dr. Carl Barth, one of the most renowned and complex theologians of the 20th century, he wrote volume after volume and commentary after commentary on the meaning of life and faith. Well, one time in Chicago a reporter once asked him if he could summarize what he had said in all those volumes. What what is it after you've wrote all these volumes that makes the most sense about who Jesus is, about who God is? Dr. Carl Barth, he he paused for a moment. This guy has been a deep thinker, a deep writer. And at the end of the day, this is how he answered that question. He said, I understand who God is and I am renewed by who God is because I learned on my mother's knee this song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him they belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Psalm 65 is reminding us that God loves us. Sometimes not only do we compartmentalize the fact that we have a spiritual life and an earthly life or that we can have praise without confession but we have also been guilty of compartmentalizing the love of God. It's easy for us to tell our children and it's easy for us to tell um, ourselves and each other how much Jesus loves us and how much he poured that love out on us. But when we read the God of the Old Testament or the God of Psalms, sometimes we forget they're one and the same. That Jesus really just embodied the heart of God. Jesus was just mirroring who God was. Psalm 65 proves that to us. David, who did not know of the Messiah yet, is just singing about how lavishing God's love is on the lands and on the people. So I invite you to stand with me. And I, and I invite you to sing this simple song, God Loves Me. Because, see, we've compartmentalized how much Jesus loves us. But we still view God as this guy in the Russian scare who's looking through the fence and just waiting for us to slip up. He's just, that's just, that's just how we view him. We, we know Jesus loves us. and We know Jesus was full of love. But God, on the other chance, well, he's just that big cop waiting to give us a speeding ticket. So I invite you to, to sing this with me. And instead of saying Jesus loves me, we just say God loves me for this I know.